This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 44, One Night in Cleveland, recorded on August 25th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, with your host as always me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, uh, the last couple games in Oakland for the Indians were pretty rough, uh, but it's one series. I'm willing to ignore it. They've got a five-game lead right now. Five for me is sort of like the, the comfort level lead, just because no one series can cost them the lead, no matter how disastrous it is. Uh, so five games and up, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't, I don't think it's panic time yet, although you wouldn't know that by looking everywhere else. <laughs> I I wonder sometimes if people have seen like a whole baseball season because it, it just kind of happens. I mean, the Giants are doing way worse than we are right now, and I think they're holding it together a little bit at least. But, but it seems a little. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know how the Giants themselves are holding it together. I will tell <laughs> well, you from fans, the Giants yeah. fans uh, I follow on Twitter, uh, their fans, even their you know, uh, well educated, uh, informative, smart fans. Uh, <laughs> are not holding it together so well. Which, to me, it's like, you guys have won the World Series three times this decade. Uh, oh, yeah, I feel no pity for them whatsoever. They could go 0 and 162, and you shouldn't really be complaining. <laughs> right. Yeah, I saw even Grant Brisby's posts are getting kind of dark over there. That's kind of funny. Since I'm actually back this week, since you just... You, you wouldn't let me on the podcast last week. I begged you. you. You made me do the intro. You made me sing it. You wouldn't let me use my music. It was horrible. <laughs> but you and Matt, you did a good job. It was good. You got to tell your uh, story about going, or you didn't tell the story about going. We'll get to that later. But about your whole weird thing you got to do and run up to the bases. But this yes. week we're going to do a little bit of recap. We're going to talk about Josh Tomlin and just the awfulness there. We'll also throw in Danny Salazar, which you posted about today, uh, his own troubles. And then we're going to have, of course, your story about going to the game that I have my own that I didn't get to tell because I went a couple weeks ago. So that'll be my own little chance to story tell. And then we're also going to talk about. Uh, the Indians, they have somewhere between a 96 and a 97 playoff percent chance of making it at this point, depending on who you listen to. Uh, and also the schedules were released for the playoffs, so we'll talk about those. We'll preview the Rangers, which, I mean, totally boring series. Nothing interesting there to talk about whatsoever. <laughs> and then, uh, finally, we'll have we got a few social media questions I asked out there if anybody had anything they wanted to answer. I didn't specify anything baseball-related, so that got a little interesting, so we'll have some weird questions there. Um, but yeah. So first, the game recaps. Indians, like you said, they just came off a rough series against the Athletics, 1-2. and two. But they were 2-1 and one against the Blue Jays, so I guess that whole they can only beat bad teams thing is kind of tossed on his head in the last few weeks, or last week or so. Uh, but on the good, Lonnie Chisenhall, 7-for-19. He had three doubles and a home run. Lindor, I don't even recognize him as good anymore. He's just always so good. <laughs> he had eight hits and a home run. Trevor Bauer over two starts. He had 14 innings, 16 strikeouts, four walks. And then Carlos Santana was 6-for-22 with a home run. He had five walks. He was the only player to draw more than one walk, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, and on the bad side of things, Mike Napoli, only three hits, seven strikeouts, no home runs. Danny Salazar, we'll talk about him again. Uh, in his two starts, he lasted a whole four innings. And one of those, I'm guessing he was in for more than just an inning just because they didn't want to burn the bullpen in back-to-back his starts. Uh, he had nine earned runs and three strikeouts, six walks. So yeah, it was a little bit of bad and good mixed together there. Uh, I think... I think they won Salazar's start, didn't they? They came close anyway, because Clevenger came in and was perfect for a little while. But but yeah, 
it wasn't good for some reasons. It was okay for others. What are your general takeaways from these last two series? Uh, the, the Toronto series was super exciting. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's definitely, you know, like a postseason preview. Uh, you know, if the season ended right now, they'd both be in. And all three games were really close. All three were one-run games, uh, you know, where in the ninth inning they were, you know, still totally up for grabs. Uh, I had the misfortune to be there for the one game they lost of those three, <laughs> uh, but it was still a fun game to watch. Uh, and, you know, as you said, you know, I, I think at this point we're running the risk of, like, overblowing the people saying the Indians couldn't beat a good team narrative. Um, but, you know, there was talk about that. And just from a at least a fan confidence perspective, I do think beating a good team in a series uh, helps. And then the Oakland series, to, to only score one run uh, three games in a row – it's a bummer, uh, especially because Oakland's got a pitching park, but they don't really have great pitching or great anything this year. Uh, but, you know, the offense has been really good, so I'm not going to get down on the offense about one bad series. Uh, and, again, going back to the the five-game lead, you know, when we talked, I think, a couple weeks ago, it was down to two games at one point. And that's when I think, you know, panic wasn't appropriate, but concern was. But, you know, they built it back up to seven, and now it's dipped down to five. But they're in good shape. You know, we talked a little bit uh, before about the schedules, and you wrote a little bit about the schedules that the Indians and Tigers both have being so similar the last, like, five weeks of the season. So the series against the Rangers that we'll get into a little later will be a big one. Um, I feel pretty good about things. Looking at the last week, uh, you know, Tomlin and Salazar both who we'll talk about stand out. Uh, and then, yeah, Lonnie Chisenhall, the game I was at uh, was the one where he hit the three-run home run to tie the game. And it was such a good at-bat. He fouled it. I think it was like a 10-pitch at-bat. And at least for me, when I'm watching on TV, a foul ball, this kind of feels like a foul ball, and they're all sort of created equal for the most part. But being at the game, I'm much more aware of whether a foul ball feels like it was a really quality swing or not. And a lot of guys that inning, and Chisholm especially, their foul balls, you know, they were a lot of straight back, uh, which usually means, you know, you've got the pitcher timed well, your swing's timed well. Um, you know, and you're just a little high, a little low, that sort of thing. Um, it, it felt like a big hit was coming if things just kept going long enough, and sure enough. So it's been great to see Chisholm Hall. Well, uh, yeah, in terms of, like I said, the offense scoring three run, one run three games in a row is disappointing, but not reason for concern for me. Yeah, and I was just mentioning, like, stats is the good and bad. But, yeah, obviously, I mean, Naquin and Ramirez in that series are both huge in the Toronto series. I think one kind of interesting thing about Naquin's, like, the what he did, I mean, that inside the park home run, right away everybody was saying, like, this is the turning point of the season and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, three days later after losing two games to a bad team, it doesn't really matter anymore. I mean, that kind of tells you something about how, quote-unquote, turning points work. But just as a game itself, that was so fun to watch. And <laughs> the way, who was it, Melvin Upton Jr. just sat in the outfield. I mean, can you imagine if something like that happened in the postseason, how blown up and... That'd be right, and like I said, it felt like a postseason series, yeah. and that, I mean, again, as a turning point, yeah, it's already been proven, like, a turning point from what? I mean, they were they were yeah. <laughs> in first place playing well before that game, and they're in first place now, uh, so in terms of that narrative, I think that's just, you know, sort of nonsense, uh, but as a moment, it was awesome, and as, especially if the Indians do go on to have some success in the postseason, you know, regular season moments... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's harder for them to stand out for a long time unless they're connected to a season either for that player 
or for the team uh, that's really memorable. But if Naquin were to win Rookie of the Year or, you know, the Indians win the American League, uh, you know, that hit is something Indians fans will remember for a long time. And, yeah, Upton, man, like just uh, – I never saw a camera of him like the whole time. The only shot I ever saw of him was like picking up the ball and sort of falling on his butt before he threw it in. But, like, he should have been there way sooner. And I know, like, everyone – he thought it's either going to be a home run or it's going to be caught uh but man that's your job you've got to get over there and that should have been even with a big carom uh there's no way naquin should have been able to get all the way around the bases and upton just you know brain farted and led to a super cool moment yeah it was kind of interesting i usually when it's a big moment like that i look at like either the other espionation site or just any other recap to see like what they said, but a bluebird banter, it was holy cow, it was like depressing over there. Which you can imagine. I mean, if that happened to the Indians, just imagine what it would be like. But, but yeah, like looking at another team happening is kind of interesting. I just hope that this is the moment, like in twenty, like twenty sixty, when Ken Burns' grandson makes a new Ken Burns baseball. We're gonna see an aged Tyler Naquin talking about this one play. <laughs> I hope that happens. Is it the Indians, you know. Let's say the Indians win the World Series, then they can make the narrative be whatever they want. You know, right? This is written by the winners. So if they win the World Series and want to say Naquin's home run was a big, you know, turning point, then it gets to be a big turning point. Either way, it was a super cool play, super cool series. Um, I think the most exciting series of the season so far. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's you know, you're sort of your your best case scenario for what baseball can be in terms of excitement. Yeah, and as for the A's, I didn't include it as a question, so I'll just mention it now. I don't remember who said it on Twitter, but somebody, I think, half-jokingly asked, do the A's get, like, a home field advantage because of how crappy Oakland Coliseum is? And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's no numbers to back it up because it doesn't really matter that much. But if you're a player going in from, like, Progressive Field or PNC Park and you have to go over to Coliseum, that's got to kind of suck. But at least Oakland players are probably used to it, so maybe there's a tiny advantage there, (laughs) even if it's just mental. Yeah, although the alternative is like the A's players are just slowly beat down by it, and that's true. Yeah. It begins to feel more and more futile the longer they play there. So I can see it going either way. Again, you can make the narrative whatever you want it to be. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, even did you see the crowds there? Like, did you see that series? I know it was all late, but even as an Indians fan, I know we can't talk much, but holy cow, I don't think I've ever seen Progressive Field that empty, especially in Game One. It's a really and it's such a big stadium. Yeah. Um, so when there's not a lot of fans there, it's 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 so evident that there's not a lot of fans there, and it, it's sort of magnified by the size of the stadium when it's empty. I feel like some of the newer ballparks uh, that aren't as large, you know, the same number of people fill up a bigger chunk of the stadium itself, so they don't maybe feel as empty. Oakland feels so empty when it's empty. It really does, yeah. Empty a lot lately. Yeah, and it was it was funny because Matt and Rick they had to pause every time there was a PA announcer because it would be so loud over the broadcast. <laughs> and he also mentioned like the outfield seats that they have tarped. I never maybe it's known, but I just didn't know. But they did those so they can put more suites right underneath them because they have all these stands that nobody can use in the third level, which they're tarped off, so they're basically useless. But right under that, they have like probably a dozen or a couple dozen more suites they could sell off, which are probably the only things that sell in Oakland right now. So. That was kind of a good idea for them, I guess. They got money out of it. But I'm sure they want to move eventually because that place looks like a dump. <laughs> I don't know what looks worse, that or Tropicana. I, Efforts I to get a new stadium or be allowed to move to San Jose or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just what a drawn-out mess. And I and I feel bad for 
for the players who have to put up with it and for the, you know, the fans. Although the, the fans who are at A's games always seem like a pretty lively, uh, entertaining bunch. Uh, they've, they've got a, a, a small but hearty group of backers. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something that would be kind of neat about that is going to a game like that's not very popular. I bet it probably has a minor league feel to it a little bit. Because even when you go to a packed minor league game, it still feels really small. So, But yeah, that was the series. Um, part fun, part really, really not fun. <laughs> and really sleep deprived because of the West Coast. But no more West Coast trips. So that's a good thing. We're done with that. Uh, the, the, the plus thing about, you know, they only scored one run each game. But they won one of those games. Uh, and it was pretty close to my ideal baseball game. Because I love Carlos Santana and I love good pitching. And Carlos Carrasco was awesome for eight innings. Then Carlos Santana hit a home run, uh, and then Andrew Miller came in and made a man fall over uh, as he <laughs> struck out. That, to end. Yeah. So when one runs enough, it's for me a pretty a pretty great game. And Carrasco looked fan. I, I felt like Carrasco looked as good as he's looked all season. Um, and if he's back to consistently looking like that, the uh, the Salazar and Tomlin stuff isn't as troubling. Um, looking ahead, we can kind of we had a fan question about this, but I think we'll just kind of meld it in. Um, actually, you guys had a question about this last week also. Somebody else asked about it this week. Could the Indians go forward without Josh Tomlin at this point? I mean, he started great, of course, but as always, he had a really high FAPIP and a low ERA. He always attacks the zone. He gives up home runs. You know he couldn't last that kind of luck forever, and regression is hitting him really hard. Uh, since the beginning of August, he has four starts, 20.2 innings, 23 earned runs, and seven home runs. That's a 10.02 ERA. He has just not looked good at all. Um he went on the family emergency list for a little bit and then came back. I think he only missed one start, if that. But, yeah, is there any chance you think the Indians could just not have him as a starter anymore? Because I think the option is Clevenger, but he's looked really good lately. So, maybe? Yeah, I mean, what do you I think, think the Indians could get to that point. I don't think they're there yet. I mean, obviously, they're not there yet because Tomlin's scheduled to pitch tonight's game that starts in a couple hours. And certainly playing in Arlington uh, against the Rangers is, is not a great matchup for someone who's had home run problems lately. So I think we could see in another couple turns through the rotation, Clevenger replacing him. I think Francona just aesthetically is not quite the right word, but just sort of continuity. I think he would prefer to keep Tomlin there. But yeah, I mean, if Tomlin has, you know, let's say two more bad games, I guess in September, I could see Clevenger taking a spot. Or at that point, you know, once it's September, they could call up a couple extra relievers and maybe Tomlin still, I don't know. I mean, at that point, the options for like piggybacking or almost a bullpen game are a little different. Tomlin started the game I was at, the, the Saturday game against the Blue Jays. And the first like three hits he gave up were, were pretty cheap hits. There were a couple of just ground balls that got through the infield and, and a bloop or a couple bloops and a grounder like that. They were pretty cheap hits. And so I was sort of feeling bad, like, oh, you know, this isn't looking great if you just look at a stat line. But, you know, in person, it hasn't looked that bad. And then suddenly he gave up, like, two or three really hard hit balls. I was like, oh, never mind. So much for that. Um, and because he gives up home runs so frequently, you know, runners on base feel much more dangerous against him than they do with, say, you know, Kluber or Carrasco on the mound. I think, you know, like a lot of his success early in the season is that, yeah, he was giving up, you know, a decent number of home runs. But so many of them were solo home runs. And, you know, lately he's he's walked a few more guys. And, you know, his batting average on balls and plays, you mentioned, has been higher. So I could see him moving him out. I think short of him giving up, like, eight runs and not surviving the first inning, I think he'll get tonight in at least one more start. 
But I could see two more. I'd say two more bad starts. I could see Clevenger getting another crack at it. Yeah, I, I'm going. I think he has a little bit longer lease, a longer lease than that. I mean, if it's two more like eight runs in the first inning, yeah, I don't think so. But I, we already know that Francona likes to stick with people and just hope that they work out of it. So I mean, if he has like a bad start tonight and then he's okay and kind of bad the next one, I think he's just going to get strung along for a while because at that point he's not going to pitch in the playoffs as a starter. No matter what, I don't think. They're going to have like a three or four man rotation. He's not going to be one of them. Um, so I think there's a decent chance that he's just going to get ridden out and have like one okay start in between a bunch of bad ones until we get to the playoffs and can move to the bullpen. Especially if the Indians maintain the lead. If it gets close, maybe I think it prompt Francona to make an emergency switch. But I don't think he seems like a guy that would just take out Tomlin after struggling. Even for no, I don't really either. I mean, again, like even when I'm saying like the switch after two, I agree. I think they need to be pretty bad. And, and and as I think both of us are saying, we feel like Francona is just not the kind of manager who wants to like willy nilly at this point in the season, pull a veteran out of the rotation. I mean, both for that guy. And also, I think, you know, to some extent, the message to the team that it feels like, uh oh, we're in trouble. So, yeah, I think if they maintain a lead and the other thing, is, you said, Tomlin's not going to be in the postseason rotation. Uh nor is Clevenger unless, you know, someone else gets hurt. So I feel like Clevenger is more likely to be used out of the bullpen at that point, and Tomlin's more likely to just be watching postseason games from the dugout while not on the active roster, Uh, in which case, you know, you want Clevenger to get some work between now and then, probably in the bullpen, because that's the role he'd be used in the postseason. Uh, So, yeah, I I feel like if the lead stays at around five, Francona is especially not going to want to take Tomlin out unless things get really bad. I mean, if looking ahead a little bit, I mean, we mentioned at the beginning that the Indians, there's a pretty decent chance they're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Fangraphs has them at 96%, uh, just making the playoffs. They have them at 13% winning the World Series. And so another random trivia (laughs) that I found while looking this up, hopefully you didn't already look, but they're tied with another AL team. Do you know which one it is? For a 13% chance of winning the World Series. I guess Boston. Yeah, it's the Boston. <laughs> Which they're already tied in their division, so they don't they're not even guaranteed to get to get out of the wild card. But yeah, Fangraphs like Yeah, them I mean as well. I feel like the projections, I mean, they understand the Indians have a better chance of making the postseason because of the division lead. But I feel like the projections all view Boston as the most talented roster. So if they make the postseason in the American League, they're the most likely to advance. Yep. Which I think is fair. I mean, they've got the best run differential. Their pitching is pretty shaky, but their offense is so good uh, that they can kind of paper over a lot of bad pitching performances. Boston's the team in the American League. I don't want to have to watch the Indians play in the postseason. I mean, obviously, if you offered me Indians, Red Sox, ALCS, I would take it because I'm not going to turn down Indians against anyone in the ALCS. But both because of Boston's lineup and just really not wanting to lose to Boston because it's Boston, <laughs> it's the Red Sox. Uh, I would rather play anyone in the American League in the postseason than the Red Sox. Yeah, I very much want them to be in the wild card game, and because I mean, anything can happen there. They can have one bad starting pitching outing, and I want that's what I want to happen. I think if they get into series, they're going to go pretty far. But I really want them to not win the division. Uh, and baseball, baseball prospectus actually has the Indians at sixteen percent to win the World Series, which is above everybody. Um, and they have a ninety percent chance overall to make the playoffs. And then the last thing is that the schedules were released, which a nice little coincidence. Uh, World Series game one, if it happens, I mean, are we at the point now where we can say the Indians are probably going to make the playoffs at least? Are we too early to start jinxing it? Uh, I mean, you just say the word "if" and it covers you <laughs> for everything. Okay, good. So so if the Indians get into the playoffs and if they make a run at the World Series, 
Uh, game one is going to be on the same night as the Cavs opener, which they present their rings, which that'd be quite a night in Cleveland. Uh, the Indians starting game one and the Cavs getting their rings in the same night. Uh, and then the ALDS game one, again, if the Indians make it, it's going to be on October 6th and the Indians last game is on October 2nd. All the games in the AL up to the World Series are going to be on TBS and then the World Series is going to be on Fox. So yeah, what do you think of the whole schedule with how the playoffs are set up this year? Oh, and all the NL games are either going to be, they're a mix of MLB Network, Fox Sports 1, and Fox uh, all the way up to the World Series. So what do you think about just the whole schedule that was released a couple days ago? I mean, just since most of it's pretty straightforward the way things have been you know the last couple of years i mean what jumps out is the possibility of because if the indians make the world series they'll host games one and two because the al won the all-star game and so as you said uh that being the same night that the Cavs get the rings and put the banner up would be i mean you could make an argument for it as you know the the biggest night in cleveland sports history um but for me who's a huge indians fan and does not care about the Cavs, i'm annoyed (laughs) that those two things would be the same night because I'm annoyed that anything might detract from Cleveland paying attention to the Indians in the World Series. That's true. I, I can I feel a little bit of that because I'm not a huge Cavs or basketball fan, but can you imagine the traffic in downtown Cleveland for that? <laughs> yeah, it, it would be bonkers. Just, just being there for a random Saturday night game with a pretty good crowd uh, and no basketball, um, being around the stadium, uh, if you if, – if you're driving there was a pain parking took forever. Yeah. I mean, I, if you're going to the game, I would plan to like head to the arena, you know, three hours or head to the stadium three (laughs) hours uh, before first pitch. If it comes to that, that's obviously even with the Indians having maybe the best chance of winning the American league math would say most likely they won't because math would say no matter what team you pick, most likely they won't. Um, So it, it would be cool. Uh, but I also know part of me would be irritated that people's <laughs> Biden instead of fully on the World Series for the first time in 19 years. That's fair. That's completely fair, I think. Um, what do you think of the, the broadcast schedule in general? I think it's still kind of weird that playoff games going to be on MLB Network and Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1 over Fox. I guess TBS makes sense. They're pretty good with baseball. And yeah, also- I mean, it's a little weird to me. But since I have all of those channels, I don't personally <laughs> care. And since I tend not to love Fox's presentation of things, I don't need a ton of stuff on Fox. You know, the other level is just, oh, you know, like, what does it say that, you know, baseball's not big enough to have all of its games on, you know, obviously the, the first round, there's not enough broadcast time on networks to get them all on. I know some people feel like it says something bad about baseball that, you know, relatively minor networks would carry the games. But for me, as long as it's on a channel I have so that I can watch it, it doesn't matter all that much to me. And I, and I need to say something. People can mute me for like a minute, but I don't hate Joe Buck. I feel like I shouldn't be able to say that out loud. <laughs> People aren't going to know when to unmute you now. <laughs> That's true. We can just say anything now. But but yeah, I don't hate him as much as other people do. I kind of like Fox's broadcast of the World Series. I wouldn't want to watch him every single week, <laughs> but I like him as the one special thing at the end. I think they do a pretty good job. What don't you like about Fox? Is it Joe Buck or is it something else? Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, almost all of like the pre and post game shows on almost any channel aren't really my thing. Um, Fox's always just feels sort of more influenced by their football coverage than other baseball channels. So some of it's just that. And, and I know for me, some of it with Buck is my sense that he would always rather be announcing a football game 
Whereas I feel like whoever's calling the World Series baseball should be their thing. I don't know. I, I, they, I know they, I can't remember if they switched last year or it's just going to be this year um, for the first time. But a lot of the complaints were, you know, Buck was with Harold Reynolds and Tom Verducci. And I really didn't like the three of them. Um, Harold Reynolds just doesn't bring anything to a broadcast that interests me. So I think it's going to be Buck and John Smoltz this year. Uh, and, I, and I like Smoltz more than I like Reynolds or Verducci uh, in the broadcast booth. So I think, you know, it'll be better this year. The other thing for me is, though, I tend to, to watch baseball with the volume turned down so that it, I tune out a lot of what's said. I don't mute it because I like some level of sound coming from the TV and, you know, crack of the bat and that sort of thing. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't care that much about who the announcers are because I'm only going to be half paying attention to most of them anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I leave the volume up. I'm sort of the same that I don't care what they say. But the only thing I care about in play-by-play guys is their voice. And I guess just to clarify, that's what I like about Joe Buck is his voice. I, I agree. He sounds like he always wants to be broadcasting something else other than football. Usually at least one time per World Series, he'll say something just really dumb <laughs> that doesn't really seem like he knows what he's talking about. And obviously without Harold Reynolds, I think he's like the worst broadcaster, analyst, whatever they can. And they can just keep cramming me into stuff, but I can't stand him. So I'll be glad if he's gone. I didn't know they were doing that. I don't. Was he there last year? Yeah, I'm pretty sure was. the change is in effect for this year, but they announced the change late last year. So I think it, I've been aware of it for a while, but it hasn't actually gone into place yet. I, yeah, I mean, with Joe Buck, there, there's oh, because you know football has started, and I feel like there's always like one game where they have him do like a Sunday afternoon NFL game, and then helicopter him across the city to where the baseball game is. And it's to me, it's like screw off. It's the World Series. I don't need your gimmicky, you know, stunt of announcing. I'd rather someone who spent the afternoon researching the two teams so they had more interesting things to tell me during the broadcast, rather than calling some worthless football game. <laughs> Yeah, we can put that in a quote. Jason Lucart, worthless football game 2016. <laughs> Which I agree, I don't care about football. Um, happy but I don't... to. Someone today at Let's Go Tribe was complaining about August being the worst sports month because football's oh so close, but oh, so... football's never far away. The world won't let football get far away. Every month there's football stuff. And sure enough, because he was like, no, February is not bad because there's lots of football recruiting. It's like, oh, God, who cares? <laughs> But Jason, they're recruiting for who, who cares? Who knows? And the draft, I, I mean, football games are not my favorite thing, but I at least I understand the appeal. I do not get the appeal of the mass hysteria about football year-round. No, I don't either. Although I do, I never even followed baseball year-round before starting this. Like, I would never, I would read, like, the headlines and stuff, which I'm sure is what the kind of stuff that we're putting out now. But before that, I would never really care. In the offseason, I'd either follow basketball or hockey, sort of. But, yeah, after running this, I follow it really closely all year round, which is kind of neat. But Baseball, basketball, like any sport. other sport, when it's not in its season, you either seek it out or you don't notice it unless it's a massive headline. You Except cannot avoid NFL stuff at any point in the year. And oh, the, all right, let's get back to baseball. <laughs> yeah. The only other thing I was going to say about broadcast is, is I really don't care like if they research I actually want him to research less. I don't want Joe Buck giving little tidbits. I just want him saying blankly what's happening on the screen. I don't know. It's just the way I like it. Like MLB Network tried. Uh, Brian Kinney and somebody else did their own. It was almost like a talk show during the game. I don't like that. I like having the constant almost droning voice talking about what's going on. I don't know. It's because I have trouble focusing, I guess, and that helps. But that's the kind of thing I like. It's why I like Joe Buck. 
I like those don't, deep like, I just guys. feel like I don't need any of that. I know that it was Brian Kenny, uh, John Smoltz, uh, Jonah Carey, who I adore. Uh, and uh, I can't think of who the fourth guy was, but it was, yeah, they weren't even at the game. They were in the studio yeah. just like talking about the game and talking about baseball. To me, that felt much more like hanging out with other knowledgeable baseball fans, just talking about baseball as a baseball game went on, which, you know, I didn't love all nine innings of it. It's not that, you know, there weren't like dry spots or dull spots, but to me it was at least different and at least provided something that felt like substance to me. I don't feel like I need to play by play when I'm watching baseball. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It's that's fair. I just it's it's basically background noise for me because the background. And if they could have it, so you could have actual background noise. Not much no who's calling noise, the game? Like that. I'm going to watch postseason baseball no matter who's calling it. And if there are people who like the announcers that I don't like, that's fine. I'm not. There aren't. You know, there, Vin Scully is not going to call the World Series, and you know, <laughs> and, and nor should he. It's not like his thing at this point. Um, but for the most part, the announcers aren't possibly going to be a big enough plus to me for me to care that much who they are. Yep. So, uh, before we get into the Rangers preview, uh, let's talk about, which I know you probably been anxious to talk about is your experience at the game. You didn't quite get to do what you wanted, but I'll let you tell everything about, uh, the weird Twitter contest you won and the game you got to go to for it. As I mentioned last week on the podcast, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I won a trivia contest on Twitter and initially thought the prize was going to be like they were going to mail me an autographed baseball or something because they initially just asked for my mailing address. And then when I gave them my mailing address, they didn't use it. They just emailed me and said that the prize I had won was the opportunity to run on the field during the game when the grounds crew goes out there and uh, remove second base from the field and then run back off the field with second base, which is a fairly ridiculous prize to win. Um, but ridiculous is right up my alley. Uh, and it, as a throw-in, there were really good tickets to the game. Uh, so my wife is from Cleveland, so we drove out there for the weekend. It was easier to convince her to go since we could go to like her old hangouts too, and it wasn't just a five-and-a-half-hour drive to go to a baseball game and followed by a five-and-a-half-hour drive. So uh, our seats were like 15th row behind home plate, which is much better seats than I've had at any of my other games at Progressive. And then it rained lightly during like the fifth and sixth innings. Not enough to delay the game or anything, but it rained lightly. Anyway, we went to meet like the the person who works for the Indians who was going to like take me to where I had to go. So we got to go down an elevator to... I guess like the basement of the stadium. Um, we got to walk past where like the like the clubhouses, like the locker rooms are, and the the batting cage inside the stadium. And the doors were all closed, but someone was clearly hitting in the batting cage, and it was killing me that I couldn't like open the door and peek in to see who was swinging. Because either it was someone on the Indians, or it was just like some random employee taking cuts during the game, which in some ways would have been even better than an Indian because it would have been funny. Um, and we got to see some cool stuff down there. The, the woman who brought us down there, um, you know, pointed out some neat things, a big flag that used to fly over the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium. And then we went over to a gate. If, when you're watching Indians games, there's like a, a Cleveland Clinic advertisement on the left field wall. And right next to it, you can see there's like a door in the wall. And that's the door that the grounds crew would go out and I was going to go out and the woman's like, I don't know where the grounds crew is. Like the next pitch could be the last pitch of the inning. Well, apparently because of the light rain, the grounds crew wasn't going to go out. I don't know if it's because 
like the dirt had already been moistened, so they didn't need to, or they were worried that like running around in the, I have no idea. I never got an explanation. Um, they put my name on the scoreboard. They announced my name over the PA system, but I did not get to run on the field, which was a bummer. Uh, but the woman felt terrible and still found like an official base to give me. So I did still get an official MLB Cleveland Indians base that has like the team's logo on all four sides. Uh, and then additionally, perhaps because uh, they felt bad that I didn't get to run in the field, they also gave me a baseball autograph by Corey Kluber. So it worked out pretty well. Oh, what? I didn't know about the second part. That's awesome. What would they have done if you didn't run into that girl who was just waiting there? <laughs> well, like, I mean, she like she, she, I, I had to go to a particular place in the stadium at a particular time. Oh, okay. okay. A woman would meet us there to take us through the rest of it. Um, so, I mean, that part was was what was supposed to happen and went off without a hitch. It was just out of like the grounds crew, I guess, cause the grounds crew probably doesn't give a crap about contests and stuff like that. The grounds crew didn't tell anyone that they weren't going to go out in the field. So we were just like standing there behind this gate for like 15 minutes during the sixth inning, uh, just kind of waiting. Uh, and th- th- there, everyone I interacted with was great. And I guess like in the grand scheme of things, it's, would I rather have run on the field or would I rather have the ball autographed by Kluber? Uh, I don't know. It's not a bad trade-off. It'd be a better story to have run on the field. Um, but it was still cool. And given that all I had to do was answer some trivia questions on Twitter to get good tickets and an autographed baseball and second base or a base, uh, I can't complain. Yeah, and I had people ready to record you and everything. That's what That was the bad part. <laughs> I know Tyler was there. He was going to record it when he saw your name come up. Until I saw Tyler's picture later, because I couldn't hear, (laughs) like, you know, what they were saying or see anything out there, um, because we were in a tunnel. Yeah. They they named on that huge scoreboard and everything. Was it the first time you saw it in person? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it's been, I haven't been there since any of the renovations, and I, I, I mean, they've had a big scoreboard out there. I can't remember when this scoreboard went in. It was this uh, awesome. But this is the first time I've been there since the renovations they did a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. So you de- you, you've definitely never seen this one before then. It went in uh, this offseason. Um, and again, yeah, the seats were great. And now if we want to put together some sort of heist and steal something from Progressive Field, I have a working knowledge of the tunnels <laughs> under the stadium. Nice. And you didn't get to see Corey Kluber or anything, right? They just gave you a ball that said, here, this was signed by him? The woman who like brought us down there and eventually like tracked down a base for me um then like asked where our seats were and she's like oh you know I'll, I'll come and meet you guys and and she came by and there was yeah like a little cleveland indians bag and inside the bag was one of those like plexiglass display cases and then inside the case was a ball signed by kluber so it was a positive experience i would give the progressive field staff uh, a big thumbs up more <laughs> nice. people should go to indians games especially if they want a contest and they're going to get an awesome abnormal experience <laughs> so my experience was just pure failure on my part because i really go to games so i figured if i'm gonna go this is the only one i'm going to this year i decided i'm gonna get really good tickets so i got like which dugout is it first base dugout like right on the corner they're only like 30 bucks a ticket which isn't too bad i mean if i'm going to one so why not but yeah so we got those and it's in a place where it's like the exact spot where the first baseman always throws the ball over after they get it at the end of an inning so it was always like napoli or because I went to the White Sox game, so it was either him or Jose Abreu throwing him over. But I thought it was kind of dumb at first. I was kind of sitting when they would go over us, and then we're coming close anyway. But then one, it was 
like I'm six eight, so if I stood up and one came near me, I could have got one eventually. But one was literally directly above me, and I reached up to get it, and I touched the bottom of somebody else's glove as they got it. And then I realized for the rest of the game that was probably the only one that would be that close, and I blew it. So <laughs> that was basically my whole. Ex- it was a really good game. But, I mean, I was there with somebody else, and the whole time we were just joking that I blew it every time they had a free ball. But from then on in, I was standing up. I was ready to get one, but we never got one anyway. (laughs) But I was right there even sitting down. I was like an inch away from getting it. They never threw us a free T-shirt or anything, even though Mustard came over. She would make us cheer for her T-shirts. I also uh, grabbed a free T-shirt that they were throwing out, but then I ended up giving that to a girl behind me because, one, it was an extra large that I knew I wouldn't wear, and, two... I was sort of embarrassed to like, I'm going to come back here later with second base. And I'm glad I I would have felt like some sort of, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for. It would have been an embarrassment of riches to get to go on the field, get second base, get an autographed baseball, which I didn't know about at the time, but then to also have gotten like the free t-shirt. So I got to be like, oh, what a nice guy by giving the the t-shirt I grabbed away to someone. (laughs) Nice. And I I go without kids so far yet, but if I get a ball, I don't care if I'm on TV, I'm going to be that. Angry adult that keeps the ball. Because I have kids at home, damn it. So I'm not giving it away. <laughs> I mean, and I, I think that's totally good. I think, like, even if you have kids at home, if you, like, push a kid out of the way or grab a <laughs> ball that was clearly intended for a kid, right. I think even if you kid. have kids, that's the wrong move. But it's just, if a ball gets hit and you legitimately grab it without, like, doing anything obnoxious, I don't think you are under any obligation to turn around and hand it to a kid who's nearby you. Right. Oh, and another thing that happened was uh, someone threw the ball in the field when I was there. I didn't know you get kicked out for that. I think originally you're allowed to do that because they've been doing it forever. But uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that at other stadiums, like it's it's, like a lot of things, it's kind of neat when someone does it at Wrigley because that's where it started. But then once people at other stadiums are doing it, it's like, no, that's a stupid thing to do. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, the second it happened, one of the concession guys was walking by and said, watch, the cops are going to come get him. And they did. They came in the outfield and grabbed him and took him away. Well, the, the basement of Progressive is also where they have some sort of drunk tank or something. Because as we were getting back in the elevator to go back up, the doors opened and security guards with two very uh, inebriated women uh, were coming out of the <laughs> elevator. So that was a fun experience. And then the guy in the elevator was like, I don't know what they did, but you've got to do a lot to get brought down here like that. So they were <laughs> apparently up to something pretty good. Nice. And... Um... That place you were, apparently, I don't know if, if maybe because you had tickets you didn't notice, but like you can't even walk. I don't know what you call that space behind the seats where you can normally walk. The tunnel, I guess. But there's Open people before there. the game, and then, then at a certain point you had to have tickets for one yeah, of the few dumb. particular sections to even walk past it. Yeah, we had to walk. You had to go quite a ways around to get around because you can't go through there. We were all excited to like stand back there because we thought we could, but they were really aggressive about making sure you don't go back there because you don't have a ticket. I don't know if that's a TV thing or just... Because they want people to pay more money to go back there. But there's a whole home plate club now, which seems kind of dumb. Yeah, that was our little stories. Uh, yours is way better because you got a base and a ball and stole my trivia question. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with the base, but it's... It's, it's going to be a conversation starter. looking thing to have somewhere in my home. I never knew they got rid of bases in between. That's something else I discovered going. Is it, Do they always do that at games? Because they, they always went, do. They went out, they took like in this case, like part of the hubbub was like, well, we're not going out there, so... Because initially I wasn't even going to get a base because they're like, well, we're not going to replace the bases if we're not going out there. And the one was like, well, the base you were going to replace it with, couldn't you have that one? And the grounds crew guy was like, nah. And then she was like, <laughs> after we walked away from him, was like, uh, I'm going to find one. Give me a minute. Wow, what a jerk. That kind of that's the kind of picture I get when I see grounds crews, though. Yeah. <laughs> when I imagine them. Good at their job. It's, okay. it's not their job to 
to make fans happy by giving them stuff. So I don't know the grudge against them, and I got the base, so it worked out yeah. well. Yeah, and they're always really. Do they? Does they have a little thing like that goes into the ground so you can at least display it and have it tilted, or can it lay flat? No, it can't lay flat. It has like the peg that goes into the dirt, like a six-inch peg. The base is pretty heavy too. It was. Okay. I don't know. I didn't expect it to be light, but it's it's heavier than I expected. I would say. Nice. <laughs> okay, so uh, looking ahead. Like I said, we have a Rangers preview. Nothing that I can think of. No storylines, no players, no nothing. Just another regular <laughs> series, right? No, it's going to no be... No reason uh, this series should matter. No, no, no. It's going to be Jason Luker. Jason Lucroy? What is your name? <laughs> Not Jason. John- <laughs> Jonathan Lucroy. Which, by the way, I know we pronounce it different. I don't know which one of us is right, if it's Lucroy or Lucroy, but I'm sticking with Lucroy for now. Even if it's wrong, I'm going to keep saying that just because screw him. But... Anyway. positive of very few of my player name pronunciation, so <laughs> I feel compelled to change yours because mine is different. Whichever one is wrong, I'm going to use that from now on. I'll find out, and then I'll switch. But yeah, obviously, Jonathan Lucroy, um, the Indians almost traded for him. He exercises a player option. We've talked about that enough. He had his right to do that, whatever, but still screw him. But he's on the Texas Rangers now. He was really good for the first couple weeks, but he cooled off a lot recently. But either way, he'll probably be behind the plate tonight. Uh, by the time this airs, they already have the first game. Hopefully, Andrew Miller stuck him out a couple times. But, but yeah, they're not coming in very hot themselves. They're not really... For a team with such a good record, they're kind of in the middle of the road for everything. I said in the series preview, they're just kind of good at clutch. With the literal clutch stat on fan graphs, they're way ahead of everybody else in the American League. They're also really good with um, runners in scoring position. They don't hit into a lot of double plays. So they're kind of a weird team. They're not great at anything, but they just win. Um, so maybe the wheels will fall off against the Indians. They're going to eventually, I think, at some point. I don't think they're really a team that's going to win the World Series. But what do you think coming up for this series against the Rangers? Well, I mean, it's it's a big series. Just, I mean, it's a four-game series against a good team. Whether the Rangers are a good team or a great team, I don't know. The other thing, it's also the Indians' last road series against a non-division opponent. Like, in, in September, they... You know, they go to Minnesota, they go to Chicago, they go to Detroit, they go to Kansas City. But these four games are the last time they they play on the road outside the division, which is just sort of a weird quirk. But it doesn't mean anything, but just seems worth mentioning. Um, you know, like the Toronto series, it's a potential postseason matchup. Uh, so I expect, you know, the, the atmosphere to be pretty good. The Rangers, I think, did more to improve themselves at the trade di- deadline than any other team. So I know their run differential for the season, you know, isn't on the same level as the Indians or the Red Sox or the Blue Jays. Um, I also think they're, you know, a better team than they were for a lot of the season. And with Tomlin against Cole Hamels tonight, that's a pretty lopsided pitching matchup these days. I think, you know, the Indians would be hard-pressed to win tonight's game, you know, before transitioning to having Kluber and Carrasco go the next couple. Um I don't know. The Rangers are kind of an interesting team to me. Just maybe one big reason is for reasons I couldn't entirely explain. Uh, I've been a big Adrian Beltre fan for a long time. So I wouldn't say like, I'm not, I don't like the Rangers, but because I like Beltre, I don't dislike the Rangers either. Whereas like normally I might be predisposed to dislike a team from Dallas because of the Cowboys <laughs> football from when I cared about football. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the Indian, you know, the, the AL East is like a three-team race, and most likely, you know, one of those teams wins the division. The other two are, I think, the most likely wildcard teams, although they probably play each other a lot in September. But, you know, the Indians and Rangers are the are the two teams with the best chances of being 
you know, in the ALDS just because they have comfortable leads right now. I don't know what jumps out. I mean, you know, like you said, you feel like the Rangers win games without being particularly good at anything. Is there anything that jumps? For me, Beltre is what I think of just because I've liked him for a long time. Is there a player or like a weird storyline other than the Jonathan Lucroy, Lacroix, Lacroix? <laughs> Look at you. I don't know. I still think I'm as power hitters for some reason. Maybe it's just the Texas thing. They don't even have Nelson Cruz anymore. Or do they? And he's injured. I don't know. But he's not starting anyway. If they have him, he's I should Seattle know that. Hitting. Yeah, he's in Seattle. I always think of Nelson Cruz when I think of Texas because that World Series he was in when he blew that defensive play. That's the very first thing I think of when I think of Texas for some reason. But, <laughs> but yeah, as far as this season, I mean, it's a weird team. I think they're gonna hit a ton of home runs off of Josh Tomlin just because he's Tomlin and they're gonna be in that stadium. But so I think that's going to be an easy loss. The middle two games, I mean, it's Kluber against Martin Perez and then Carrasco against A.J. Griffin. We said it a bunch of times in series, but this seems like a pretty easy, those are like pretty easy on-paper matchups for the Indians. And the fourth game is going to be like our current disappointment against their disappointment for the last few years. Uh, Danny Salazar against Derek Holland. Derek Holland hasn't been the same for a few years. And Salazar, maybe he can get through an inning or two, hopefully. <laughs> we didn't talk about that yet, if you don't want, if you want to mention that, the fact that... Um, Mickey Calloway basically said that he stopped short of calling him lazy, but he said there needs to be something changed between his starts. It was like something a not working there. For a, a manager or a coach to call a player lazy, I mean, that you can't do that, so that's not going to happen. So just saying that you feel like someone's routines need more attention, you know, I feel like is a pretty telling thing. And if the alternative is that Salazar is injured, I obviously don't want to be, him to be injured, but healthy and pitching this poorly is just like a different but not much better problem uh but i mean i guess i guess it's potentially much better if they can fix it and uh terry francona talked about carlos carrasco being someone who had some rough patches in his career early on um but put in all the kind of work that the coaching staff is looking at from a player and so it's to me sort of felt like without using the word lazy they were saying you know the days he's not pitching, he's not doing the stuff he needs to be doing. And there was some implication that maybe making the all-star team had something to do about it, that he was pitching really well early in the season. And then, you know, if you, I don't know if success went to his head would be the narrative they would use if they were being honest or what, but it, it sort of felt like they were saying somewhere around mid season, his approach changed and he hasn't been putting in the work he needs to. So I don't know, hopefully it's a wake up call. You know, his velocity looks pretty good. His last start, I sort of wish he hadn't even come back until next week. But we'll see. I think his his next start is, you know, as you said, is Sunday. So pitching in Texas isn't a great place to uh, to turn things around. But hopefully he can because, you know, they, they're they going to need him for the postseason unless they want to ride the Josh Tomlin train. Yeah, I mean, if we're getting into way speculation here. But, I mean, if that is what happened, that he made the all-star team and he decided, okay, I'm good enough, that's that's really disappointing if that's the case, which, again, we don't know if that is. But is there any reason to come out and say this in public if there is, if it's not a way just to get him motivated? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, without that. knowing, like, the line of questioning that led to it, I mean, you know, I don't know. And, and I don't think, you know, Francona went out of his way to say it wasn't laziness. I don't think they anyone consciously thinks he was like coasting he's like oh, I'm an all-star now I think they felt like more of just kind of like a subconscious he felt like he was over some sort of hump and maybe didn't realize he wasn't putting in as much effort on some of the you know in-between game preparation stuff so we'll see hopefully he gets it going 
you know, by the time we're talking in a couple of weeks, he's had a couple of good starts and we can forget about all of it. Yeah, that's, that's the hope, I think. If he bounces back by playoffs, we won't care at all about these last couple of starts. So um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I at least want to get at least one or two questions in. So the first one is going to be from Mary Fisco on Twitter. Uh, they want to know, is the pitching staff starting in relief good enough to make it to the postseason and carry the Indians if needed? So I guess they're saying if the if the offense just falls off a cliff, is the pitching staff good enough to win a World Series? Yes, because between Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, and Trevor Bauer, all of whom are pitching well right now, the rest of the rotation, the the three of them are going to pitch enough games in any postseason series for the Indians to advance, even if none of the other starters pitch well. And the bullpen is a strength right now with with Miller. Uh, So I don't think the offense will fall off a cliff. And... You know, I don't think you're automatically going to get nothing but great performances from Kluber, Carrasco, and Bauer if they make the postseason. But in terms of could they win the World Series even with below-average offense, yes, they have the pitching to do that. Yep, I completely agree. Um, it would there'd be a lot of pitchers that have to be bad for a long streak of time on their own to to lose. There's got to be something weird that happens for the Indians to lose the World to lose somewhere before the World Series. I think. I mean, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen in the span of four games, but. But as long as the offense is somewhere around what they've been, they're going to be okay for a little while, I think. So, yeah, like I said, we're short on time here. But next week, as always, I'm always going to ask questions on Twitter, Facebook, and all that stuff. So that is pretty much our show for this week. Anything fun coming up for you before we record again next Thursday? Uh, No, I'm back to work now. Lousy wah, kids wah. have to get their lousy <laughs> education, so I've got to go into lousy work. Uh, but no, Monday is my first day with the kids, and for all my complaining about it, I'm excited about getting a new class. So that's that's my big thing this week is uh, seeing what Monday brings me. Is is teaching kind of like when you're a kid, where like the first week is awesome, I'm something new again, and then it's just a drag, or is it at least uh, a fun job? It is. It's ups and downs. I, it's funny. At the end of the school year, the kids are always like sort of taunting, like summer's almost here, like ha ha ha. <laughs> We're escaping from your clutches, and I want to be like, ha, 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 I am even more excited than you are, because this is a much bigger time commitment for me than it is for you during the school year. It's like the I'm trapped, or you're, you're not trapped in here with me, or wait, no, the I'm not trapped in here with you, you're not trapped in here with me thing, but in reverse. Yes. So, but uh, no, I mean, it's, I've got a good job, and it's, any teacher would have fun complaining about going back, but I'm excited to, to get a new group of kids, so that, that that's my big Real life thing happening this week. <laughs> so cool. Just give them an answer packet and then watch highlights. Okay, that's how it works, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, that's pretty much all we have. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and all that, and find us on letsgotribe.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>